0: him when his name was Joey. <laughs> and he, he turned it to Joe so people would take it more seriously, right? <laughs> but anyways, he's, it's been a great relationship and it's great being um, PAC at Living Hope Bible Church. Again, um, we were one of the uh, early people who founded the church um, 25 years ago this year. And it's amazing how God has blessed you with your own building. And it's so nice to have your own building because you know the years of of bringing the trees in, bringing the piano in, bringing the chairs in week after week. And it's just a real blessing to be worshipped in this, um, the building you have today. So again, today, um, again, happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there as well. Um, again, let me introduce you to my family as well. If I have the slide up. Again, my wife is here. My wife can stand up, please. This is you men. Yeah, okay. And um, I have a son, an eight-year-old son, a six-year-old son, Enoch, and um, a daughter named Sophie, who's four, and a one-and-a-half-year-old baby named um, Elijah as well. Oh, it's the wrong slide. Wait, that's, that's not me. Can you go back to the beginning? This is the end of... Go back to the beginning, yeah. Yeah, this is... The, yeah. Yeah, here, here. Just go back to the beginning, yeah. I realize... Can you go back to the beginning? Yeah. Maybe, Vern, you can just do it back to the beginning. Okay, that's definitely not me. <laughs> Okay. So again, I'm so thankful for this church who, 18 years ago, uh, released me. There it goes. 18 years ago, the church released me as a 27 year old um, to release me one year to minister in China with OMF, and um, that one year lasted 18 years. So that's been a long year. So again, uh, thank you for all your years support. And I thank you for my mom who's here as well. That she's released me. She thought I was going away for one year, but it's been 18 years. But the Lord has blessed me with a family in, um, in Singapore as well. And, and for those who came to the Sunday school, you see all the work that I've been doing in the many, many years. But my most important work is really being a father. You we know, believe in our church that um, discipleship is not a program in the church. It's not teaching. Discipleship and spiritual begins in the home. That is really the primary place it starts. And, and I realize in this day and age, um, it's being harder and harder um, to parent children these days. It's the times we live in, especially now, um, the even though research says the role of the father is so important, but the fact that we, we have redefined marriage as genderless marriage or even same sex marriage, by by the fact that you're saying same sex marriage, you're already saying a family does not need a father. So in this day and age, it's really important that we talk about fathering, especially from the biblical perspective, because the world gives a different answer. I want to give you a little survey of how important this um, biblical um, thing is. There's two homes. One home is a single mom raising up her child. And home B is an intact family with two children. So research shows which one of these families will have a greater risk of children that will go into delinquency, like drugs, alcohol premarital sex, all these things, which of the family will have a greater chance for their children um, to turn out unhealthy habits? And there's home B here as well. Research shows who thinks it's home A. Raise your hand. Who thinks it's home B? Okay, most people will think it's home A, but research shows, there's one research that shows in Home A, 30% of the children in Home A with a single mom will go into delinquency. Okay? But in Home B, we find 68% of, fa- um, 68% of children from this family will go into delinquency. And people are so shocked. It's like, why would Home B with a father, would their children go astray? And there's one thing I forgot to mention in this survey. The difference between home A and home B is not only there's not a father in home B, but in home B, it is an emotionally distant father. An emotionally distant father. So this research shows it's not only the father needs to be present in the family, but a father who is not present in the family is actually worse than not having a father at all. So, this goes to show you that fathers really need this. It's a wake up call for fathers today that they need to be really invested emotionally with their children as well. So, that's why today's topic is about how fathers can influence the next generation. And well, I want us to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we're going to learn about two um, timeless fathering principles from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 9, and 20 to 25. And you shall shall be a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let's go to verse twenty. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes of the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out, of, out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that He sworn to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do these things, do these statues to fear the Lord our God, for our God always, that he might per- preserve us alive as we are to this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all his commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we'll not only be hearers of your word, but also doers of the word. So, Lord, open our eyes about how we can be better spiritual parents, whether it's biological or spiritual. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So again, the book of Deuteronomy, again, is God's commands for the nation of Israel. When he brought them out of Egypt, he wanted to rule the nation with a new standard, God's standard. And one of the things God did in chapter 6 is called the Shema. It's something all Jewish people know. They're they're memorizing it from the time they're young. And this is really the cornerstone of their Jewish faith and our faith as well. And there's two timeless fathering principles I want to bring out from Deuteronomy chapter 6. So whether you're whether you're a biological father or whether you're a spiritual father or not mentoring young men, this is the message for you. So those who are not fathers, please do not tune out <laughs> of this message because all of it can relate to all of us at all times. And the two principles we're going to talk about is first, fathers, we need to walk with God. And secondly, fathers, we need to walk our children towards God. So let's look at verse 4 to 6. Verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So this passage begins with the word you. He's talking to parents. So he's saying the first thing we must realize as fathers is that fathering begins with our own walk with God. If we are not walking with God, then we cannot expect our children to walk with God. We, my principle in life is we cannot give what we do not have. And the Bible says here that we must, as fathers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, with all your mind. The emphasis here is we should love God, and there, there's three times the word all. All our heart, um, all our soul, and all our might. All of these things matter we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul. All our being should be loving God. And the word might" is all the things that God has given to us, all the talents, all the resources He's given to us. all of us need to be centered around God. And this is the primary thing that God has called us to do, is to love God and to love God first and to make Him primary in our life. Jesus talked about this as well. Seek first His kingdom. And his righteousness, and all these things will be given to us as well. So my question for us as fathers is, how is your heart with God? Does God have all of your heart? Does the decisions in your life, do they run through God Is God, have, is God um, the loving God the primary focus in all areas of your life? Do you love God at work? Do you love God at school? Do you love God at home? Because sometimes in life, for men especially, our hearts can be half-hearted. I've done so many, um, talked to so many men in Asia, and a lot, most men struggle with three things that distract them from loving God. That's money, the love of money, <laughs> the love of pleasure, and the love of power. These three things distract us from loving God. And God says before you compare your own children, you must look at your own heart and see if it's divided as well. And as a parent, I struggle with this all the time, forgetting that my first love needs to be for God and nothing else because our hearts are always attuned to things on earth. Just going on this trip, we plan this trip every year to spend one month in USA to visit my mom, to visit all of you, and I book the tickets. And the the interesting thing is, the first thing that comes to mind when I book the tickets is what we're going to do, where we're going to shop, where we're going to (laughs) eat, And I actually begin planning our shopping trip. We gotta go to Target. We gotta go to Walmart. We gotta go to Old Navy. It's a shopping trip. We go to you know the, faculty, the outlet mall out here at North Bend. We plan all these things, like all the meals we have with people here. And then I just realized my wife was like, "Where is God in all of this?" <laughs> and I realized in the planning my trip to U.S., I completely forgot about God. You know, what would God have us do in this trip? You know, would God go shopping <laughs> if he came with? Would Jesus go shopping? And meet? Yeah, he would do all those things, but what is really on God's heart? And, um, and then my wife reminded us, let's spend time with your relatives. I said, my relatives? Of course we'll have dinner. Of course we'll have dinner with them. But she said, we've got to spend time with your relatives. Why? Because some of your relatives don't know God. Some of them don't know Jesus. And at that moment, I was thinking, that's right. You know, so our trip to the U.S., we began, all the shopping, so we began calling up all our relatives, especially who aren't going to church or our friends who aren't going to church. We spend time with them, just to spend with them, and at the end, we'll always pray a blessing over them. And this is just a way of reprioritizing God in my life, making him the center of all the things that we do. So my U.S. trip has not become a visiting mom trip, although that's important. It hasn't become a a shopping trip, although we did some of that. We did. Um, It hasn't become just meeting my friends from church. But in a sense, it's become like a mini mission trip. Isn't it correct? You know, everywhere we go, fathers, is an opportunity to love God and to love his people. And I think, guys, we always forget this, that we should need to love God with all our heart our soul, and our mind, because so many things get in the way with us. And I feel that this is a fundamental thing that, fathers, we need to hear and we need to recommit ourselves, recommit our hearts back to the Lord. So don't only does God want us to have a love for him, he wants to have a love for his word. Look at the second part. Look at verse 6. It says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Not only is loving God first important in walking with God, we must love God's word. And it's very clearly here that when we love God, we will love his word. And it says the word needs to be written on our hearts. So it needs to go from our head down to our hearts. So what, God, what it says in God's word needs to be eternalized in our values, in our behavior. Because Jesus says what comes out of our mouth What comes at our, what our actions always comes from our hearts. And Jesus always talked about the Pharisees your lips say you praise God, but your hearts are far from God. And again, that's something, men, we have to realize is really to internalize God's word into our heart through reading God's word daily and memorizing it as well. So, men, how do we walk with God consistently? How do we keep our spirit? How do we deepen our love for God? How do we deepen our walk with God? And it takes more than just coming on Sunday. And I believe for men especially, we need to be in mentoring groups. We need to be in accountability groups with other men. I'm so glad to see that there's a men's fellowship here. And I'm glad. I hope you do more than just eating together. (laughs) But I hope when you meet with other men, you're asking each other, how is your walk with God? So it kind of points you in the right direction. I had lunch, I had breakfast with Pastor Joe last week, and I really appreciated. He asked me about my family, he asked me about my ministry. But the most important question Pastor Joe asked me is, Andy, how is your walk with God? And I began to share how my walk with God, my struggles. And these are the kind of conversations I hope Living Hope Bible Church can have. That you can ask each other, how is your walk with God? With God, And it's sometimes amazing. We can go through weeks and weeks of church life doing many things, but we don't know what's happening in the heart of people. So ask each other questions. Here's a picture of uh, my mentoring group. Again, my church really emphasizes mentoring and discipleship. So every month I meet with some leaders and their wives in my house, and we, we have dinner together, and we always go around sharing about how our walk with God is. Okay, you can forward it yourself, please. Go to the next one. Um, how the mentoring group is. And I invite some leaders in our church to join this uh, mentoring group as well. And we go around, we have dinner, and each couple shares how what they're learning from God's word and how they're growing in the walk with God. So again, walking with God is a critical thing for us parents to realize, it says. And today in your bulletin, it happens to say, if you look at the back, again, it says in Proverbs 20, verse 9, The righteous man walks in his integrity. So what the Proverbs is saying is focus on your own walk with God, and his children are blessed after him. So I think today the most important thing to remember as fathers is focus on your own walk with the Lord first. Just like when you go in an airplane, the stewardess always says, bring the oxygen mask to yourself first, then help your child. And that's a principle of this is Focus on your own walk with the Lord first. Then you have something to pass down to your children. So fathers, walk, focus on walking with God each day of your life. And the second part is not only walking with God. The second part is fathers, walk your children towards God. And here in Deuteronomy, it shifts from talking about the father's spiritual life to talking about how the father should influence his children. Look at verse 7 and it says, it says Pastor Joe should teach them or Auntie May should teach them or Pastor Stephen should teach them. Actually, it doesn't say that. It says who? It says you should teach them. Every time I read that, it astounds me. It says you shall teach them diligently to your children. And that's one thing we must remember is that according to God's word, It says that the primary responsibility of teaching God's Word to your children is the parents and the fathers. It is not the responsibility of the Sunday school to do it. It is not the responsibility of of Pastor Steve to do it to your your youth. It is actually your responsibility. And this is something that blew my mind. Because growing up in church, I always thought we'd bring the church, we'd drop off the kids at Sunday school. (laughs) and we let them do it, or we drop the kids, the young adult, and let the youth pastor do it. And I realize it says, you. is that I am supposed to teach the Word of God to my own children. I'm supposed to do that. That's assuming I'm reading it for myself as well. So my question for us as fathers and parents is, are we intentionally teaching our children the Word of God at home? And Pastor Joe testifies that there's many people, many families here are doing uh, family devotions each week. And I think that's a wonderful place to start, reading the scripture to your children. And again, it doesn't have to be a whole systematic theology class. (laughs) It just just could be reading one or two verses and and just talking about it. Make it simple. It is not a teaching and a doctrine. It's just teaching them the words of God formally as well. In, in, in this trip here, every, every day we're teaching the children about heaven. So we just have a simple book, reaching about what is heaven. It's just a simple teaching. It's a formal teaching as well. So that's what we should be doing as well. And teaching, the word teaching here is teach diligently. It's the same word they use for surgery. It's something you must be careful to do. Teaching diligently. We must take care in teaching our children the word of God. We must be prepared. We must do it um, diligently as well. And one thing I'm teaching my children this uh, vacation is teaching them how to swim. <laughs> my children don't know how to swim. Here's a picture of my kids. We, we, we found a private coach in Tukwila and teacher Haley is teaching them. And she's guiding them in how to swim. And she's doing it only a half hour each day. A half hour each day. And it's amazing. In four days, they can really float. <laughs> With half an hour of formal teaching, the kids are growing and growing. And what Teacher Haley is doing with my children is the same principle parents do. If we just spend time each day um, formally teaching our children the Word of God, they will grow. They will grow. And they will learn about God as well. So fathers, take time to teach your children formally about the Word of God. But sometimes we just do formal family devotions. I have nothing against family devotions. I have nothing against that. But sometimes I feel when we do Sunday school family devotions, I feel like it just separates God from the rest of the life. Like we do the devotions and then we go on to the rest of the day. And in verse, in verse 7, the second part, it talks about not only teaching, it talks about something else parents should do. It says, you shall, and you shall talk, of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise. So that's really interesting. Moses is saying you shouldn't just teach your children formally, you should also talk about God in everyday life. Talk to your children informally about God throughout the day. And personally, I think this is more powerful sometimes. Those teachable moments. It's about talking about God when they are walking, talking about God, when they're lie down, when they rise. Basically, throughout the day, you try to bring God into the conversation. And that doesn't mean like throughout the day in the car, let's take out our Bibles. <laughs> I pick you up from school. Let's take out our Bibles. No, 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 that, that's not what I mean. It's just talking about using life to illustrate God. Jesus was a master at this, right? Jesus was with the disciples. Look at the birds of the air. And he uses that to talk about how God cares for us. Or look at this tree. Or look at the farmers. He uses life to talk about God. And when I first read this, I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? Because I don't know what's going to happen during the day. But the more I practice, I just think about, where is God in every part of the day? How can we bring up God every part of the day? So yesterday we went to a strawberry festival in Imbirian. In, in and as we were walking back, it started to rain. And the moment we got in the car, it started pouring rain. And I said, wow, I'm so glad it didn't rain on us. And I thought, this is a good moment to bring God into the conversation. And I turned around and told my children, isn't it good that God stopped the rain?" so we can get into our car, otherwise we would be soaked soaked wet. And the children says, yes. So it's this teachable moment. And especially when we're stressed as parents, it's a wonderful time to bring God in. I know it's so hard. I know one time I was driving um, the kids to school in the morning, and getting the kids ready in our family is like a death march. You know, getting all three kids ready to get in the car and get to school on time is a death march, okay? And it's so stressful. Everything has to happen perfectly for us to get to school on time. And I remember one time uh, I went to the car. I was, you know, dragging my kids to the car. Hurry up, hurry up. Get into your seats, get in your seats. And then my son says, Bob, but something's wrong with the tire. And I said, there's nothing wrong with the tire. Get in the car. There is. It's flat. And I'm like, what? And I looked in the, t- the rear tire, the, the, the driver's side was completely flat. And I was thinking, oh, this is the worst thing that can happen in the morning. A flat tire. I said, oh, we're going to be late for school again. Okay, so I said, what are we going to do? So I, I said, we're going, I said, what we gonna? I said, uh, I had two kids with me and I said, okay, we're going to, we're going to just, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to um, pray to God. So I said, um, I said, Sophie, your job is to pray. Pray to God to help us. And she actually went like this, God help us fix the tire. She really did. And I said, you know, your job is to help me get the wrench out of the trunk. And then we, so as we were jacking the car up, I said, Sophie, just pray God will help us. Pray God help us. She was praying and praying. And and we did it. We did it. And we somehow replaced the tire, replaced the tire. And you know, for some reason, we got to school on time. We got to school right on time. And I told the children, didn't God help us change the tire? And didn't God help us get to school on time? And I think this is, our children remember these things. Our children remember these things as well. And especially for us little children, they always want us to buy things for them. Always to buy things. Can you buy a new Lego set? Can you give this? I need more money for this. And my wife is very smart. She told our daughter, pray about it. <laughs> ask God to give it to you. Stop asking us. You know, ask God to give it to you. And then she said, okay, I'll pray about, I'll pray to God that God will give me this toy set. But she said, she's been to think about it. She says, Mommy, if God doesn't give it to me, will you buy it for me? <laughs> okay, theology is a bit wrong here. But that's what I'm saying. And then we can just talk more and more about with our children. And these are the conversations we can have, that it's natural, and it's not lecturing our children. And I think one thing about teaching and talking with our children about God in everyday life is one thing I notice in Christian parents, especially in Singapore, I'm not sure if it happens in, in Living Hope Bible Church, is sometimes the teaching and the lecturing can, all, can be about all the right and wrongs. Like, don't do this. God says you cannot do this. Don't do this. And sometimes in our family, I find what children hear is a bunch of laws from the Bible. Nothing's wrong with telling children what is right, what is wrong. But sometimes we go so overboard with all the rules and regulation the Bible has about living a Christian life that what our children get is Christianity is, about a, is, is a religion of right and wrongs. And when we do that, we almost become a little bit like Pharisees. where we focus so much on the laws, we forget the grace of God. And one thing I'm trying, me and my wife, we're, we realize, especially for the first child, we're really hard on him. We expect him to be Jesus. <laughs> and for, with the third child, we just kind of said, We just let go, you know. We, the third child has lots of grace. But one thing we want in our house, we want to teach our children that God is a God of standards, but God is a God of grace. God is a God of forgiveness. And we want to know that God accepts them when they make mistakes. That we don't pounce on them when they make mistakes, and lecture them for hours and hours about that. And this is a a really good quote from Ajit Fernando about grace. In the quote he says, We live in a culture where people are compared and contrasted with others and where others progress by cutting them down. Our children are in school where they face lots of comparison issues. In the workplace as parents, we are compared and contrasted. The whole world is tearing us down. Agit says something, with all the rejection that people face in this hostile world, the home should be a place of affirmation and acceptance. Amen? The home should be a place where it should be a sanctuary for our children to know that God's grace is in our home, that God loves them for who they are, and God forgives them, and God will help them to overcome their sins. This is something I, me and my wife always miss. You know, I come home from work, I'm so exhausted. My wife is exhausted all day and we come home from dinner and a child makes a mistake and we pounce on them and we take all our stress out on them and the poor child doesn't know what hit them. And I think our, we have to be very intentional to bring God's grace into our family. And if children cannot find acceptance in the home, they're gonna find it somewhere else. And that would be the greatest mistake we can ever do is that children do not feel accepted by their own father, by their own parents. And I do a lot of counseling in Asia and I, I talk to countless men who say their their fathers are so hard on them. They can never please their dads. They never live up to their God's, they never live up to their father's expectations. They're never ever good enough. And their dads are like elders in the church, you know, leaders in the church. And I think what's happened is they held their children to such high standards they could never live up to them. So they, so they grew up with a sense of, I'm not good enough. So, and they don't want to come home. They don't want to spend time with their family. And who blames them? Their family has been, a, their home has been a place where they are condemned. But, but today, fathers and parents, I really try, I probably, my burden is that our house can be a home that children can find acceptance and affirmation because they won't find it anywhere else in the world. So I pray that we can teach them and talk to them about the laws and regulations, but we always have time to talk about the grace of God in their lives. So fathers, walk with your children through teaching them, through talking with them, and in verse 8 and 9, is really through modeling God's word. Look at verse 8 and 9. It talks about, it's very strange, after it talks about you know, teaching and talking, and then it says, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your home and your gates. Okay, so back then, during those times, there's a picture of them. Back then, the Jewish people, um, you know, that they wanted to bind the word, so they actually write the words of God in a very small piece of paper and they, they bind it to their forehead. They literally did what it says, bind it to their forehead, and then they wrap the word of God around their arm. And then they, they put it on their doorpost in their house. Okay? So the purpose of this was because it's on your head and on your hand, it will remind you to live out God's word. It reminds you to live for God's word. So when you come home, you see God's word on the doorpost, you are to live out God's word. It's a visual cue. So I'm thinking, how does that relate to us today? You know, does it mean tattoo Jesus loves me on your arm? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. Does it really mean uh, wear a, a cross around your neck that says a cross, or to, pull, to put Bible verses in your car, to put Bible verses all over your house? You know, I... I do think it says that, but I really think it's a deeper meaning. Because it says, bind them on your head and your hands. And I think what Moses is saying here is not just literally putting, gluing the God's word on your head, but really living out God's word to your children. Living out God's word. So when people see you, people see God's word in you. Does that make sense? That you don't have to have a verse You You don't have to wear a t-shirt that says, I love God. That when people see you, they know God's word is living in you. You represent the living word of God. And that's the greatest thing we can do for our children, is living out God's word in our life. Because children don't really hear what we say sometimes. They see what we do. So um, for parents and fathers, really... Live out God's word. Let them see how much you love God's word in your life. And for me as a pastor, we are very, very busy. And I, I have to confess authentically, last year I was so busy. I, didn't, I, I was so busy with flying overseas and doing so much ministry, I really neglected loving God's word. And I began to only look at God's word to prepare a sermon or to do a Bible study. I'm sure no one in Living Hope Bible Church ever does that. <laughs> I'm sure you, but in but my situation, I was just looking at God's word just to preach or just to teach. You know, and I, I felt, and last year I said, it cannot continue this way. I must love God's word for my own good. So last year, I, again, I, again, I bought a journal. Okay, I'm not, I bought a journal. Someone gave me this journal. I would never buy this color. Someone gave me this journal. And then I decided this year I'm going to read Um, the Old Testament, read the whole Bible in one year. That was a commitment I made, just to read God's Word and try to do it every morning. So in the morning, what I did is I'll try not to grab my cell phone and check my messages. I'll grab for God's Word. And it was hard because I wanted to look at that phone real bad. (laughs) But instead, I just try to hold on to God's Word and write some verses in my journal. I try to do that every day. And um, one day, I was, as I was looking in my journal, I found someone had written in my journal. There's a picture of it. I couldn't believe it, but I looked. It was my son's handwriting. And I was looking at it. I'm like, "What in the world?" And I noticed my son had written Deuteronomy 12:18, and it says, "Be careful to obey all these regulations I am giving you, so that may always rejoice before Lord your God." In okay, it's not perfect. <laughs> And I was thinking, why in the world would my son write a verse in this journal? And I began to think about it. And I think maybe because he saw me reading God's Word. He saw me doing it. And so he wanted to be part of it as well. And when I read this, I was, my heart was so blessed that my son knows that I'm trying to read the Word of God and that he wants to be part of it. So he sees God's Word in me. And I'm just so grateful that uh, my children can see that. I want to continue doing that as well. So walking your your children towards God involves teaching, involves talking, involves modeling. Um, But one thing that involves is in verse 20 to 24 is the last thing about uh, walking with God is through testifying about God. In verse 20, It says, when your son asks you in time to come, assuming you're spending time with your children, you're building relationship with them, they are going to ask questions. They are going to ask questions. And when your child asks you a question, we need to be prepared to tell them about God. So in this instance, in chapter 20, the son asks, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statues and rules of the Lord our God? He has commanded you. And this father is supposed to be ready. He says, Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. You're supposed to talk about our past. How before we were in bondage in Pharaoh. And then, then later, And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. The, how God broke in, how God encountered the people and how God released them from Egypt. And then verse Verse 23, and he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land he gave us. So he talks about after God brought them out, he established them a new land. So this person testified about how God, how they were a slave in Egypt, how God released them from slavery, and how he was leading them to a promised land. He was testifying about what God had done in their life. In many ways, he was talking about how God saved them, how God saved them, how God saved them from slavery, how God broke into them, and how God was leading them. And this is something our children need to know. The children need to know our own testimony. Our children need to know how we were as slaves, how we were before we were Christians, and how God met us, and how God is leading us in the future. We need to tell our children God's story in our life. We need to tell our children how God met us in testifying about things in God. And I try to do that, you know. I try to tell, every time my son makes a mistake, like, you know, he, 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 he tells a lie or he, he does something wrong, I will try to think about when I was a child. <laughs> I say, no, when I was your age, I also did the same thing you know, but you know, I said, but God helped me. God helped me, and he led me out of it. So it's testifying about how God worked in your life. And I think we, we live in a world where our children need to know that we are authentic models. They just don't listen to what we say. They have to see where we, whether we have experienced it or not. So I think as following we need to share what Christ has done in our life and give them a picture of what God is doing. And one thing, as Pastor Joe, he kind of spilled the beans, but it's okay, about how you know, our family has been living in Singapore for, for 13 years. You know, our children were all born in Singapore. All they know is Singapore. You know, but I've been trying to tell them, you know, one day you know, God may lead us out of Singapore. One day God may lead us. If God calls us to stay in Singapore, we'll stay. But one day God will lead us out of Singapore. And God has called me, my wife, and our church leadership has decided that because we have so our ministry is growing so much in the different parts of Southeast Asia it would be good for me and my family to move from Singapore to Indonesia to be closer to our church partners so they're sending us to Indonesia next year and i remember we were talking with our children about this you know we sat down during dinner and we said you know kids you know god may lead us out you know god you know you know god you know daddy goes to do you know goals in other countries right and, you know, God, and God is leading us to go together and asking them, you know, God is leading us out of this Singapore. You know, how do you feel about that? And th- they're okay about that. Maybe they don't know any better at this age. But they're saying, okay, we're going to follow you. And we just say, God will take care of us as he has in the past. God gave us this house in Singapore. God will protect us in the future. It's our way of really testifying about who God is in our life. And I think that's the greatest gift we can give our children. is really telling them what God is doing in our life and in our family's life, bringing God out of church. And I think this is one of the powerful things that we can pass on to our children. So fathers, I know it's a very tall order. (laughs) It's a very high standard. It's a very, very high standard. And a lot of us don't measure up. I know we don't. But God is asking us just to do our level best, And I believe the role of the father, to summarize all of this, the role of the father really is to develop um, a deep spiritual friendship with his children. And I think this is the greatest thing we can give our children, is a spiritual friendship with our children. A spiritual friendship that begins with God, but also a spiritual friendship with our children. And again, it's a tall order. It's a very, very tall order. But God has called us fathers to do it. And God is giving us that mandate to do it as well. Uh, I want to just close with a testimony about our own family. We're still working out the kinks of how to do this. Last year I shared about prayer, the importance of prayer in our family. And um, because of prayer, we, we put up this, this prayer wall in our house. There's a picture of it. And we did, dedicated like a corner of our, our bedroom <laughs> Um, to a prayer wall where me and my wife will post up prayer requests of, of, of things, in, um, things in our life. And we categorize it into USA and missions. And LHBC is in USA. And also Donald Trump is there as well. We're praying for him as well. We're praying. And, and sometimes we're not so consist, consistent in putting up prayer requests. Some of them get old and, and our baby started to walk. So he pulls, out, p- pulls down a lot of these prayer requests down. And we do this, we try to do this faithfully, and, and, and it's amazing our children see us do it one time. And I, I remember one thing we pray about is that you know our children will love God and help us to be better parents. Because, you know, I wish there was a you know a, a guidebook of how to be a dad. I mean, we really don't know what we're doing. Every day we requires wisdom. And I remember one time, this was probably a low point, one time. Our, our son Enoch was acting up, you know, it's just one of those days where he does, every time we ask him to do something, it's always no, and it just got worse and worse, and I think our patience was running thin with our son, and then it ended up in a shouting match, in a screaming match, and we just, were just yelling at him, and it was really awful, I think one of us even hit him or something like that, it was really awful, and we just were just screaming at them, like, why are you like this? I'm sure this never happens in your house. But we were just screaming at them and yelling at them, and like, how can you be like this? And like, you know, we're tired. You know, we're, we, we do so much. We, 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 our family does so much for you. We, we do all these things, and you're still like that. We put on the guilt trip about, about everything on them. And I remember after that, me and my wife felt so bad. You know, at, we said, you know, I can't believe we yelled at their kids, and we can't believe we did this to them. And we just... We just felt so bad. And I remember me and my wife were like in our room. We're saying, you know, God, help us. You know, like we ask God. We just, we just want to do a good job, but we always constantly fail. We fail like almost once a week or every day. We fail at from God's standard. You know, we just fail and fail and fail. And the funny thing is, is during this whole time, our son, I guess, I don't know what he heard us. I don't know what was in the, our son began like, Drawing things, began writing things. And then he went into our room, into our prayer wall, and, and he did this. And if you click the next slide, he, he made a little sign. And it said, God, help us. I'm not sure if that's him or me, <laughs> but it said, God, help us. And it said, the little sign says, Help us be calm, <laughs> help us be nice. <laughs> I think there's one more that says, Help us be patient. And he put, put it up there. And we looked at that sign, we realized that that's really what it is. Is that we really cannot be a good parent. We really can't be a good father in our own strength. Is that we really need God's help to parent our children and to bring them up in the way of the Lord. May God help us especially fathers, to rise to be the spiritual leader in your home. Let's pray. With our eyes closed, no one looking around, I believe God's word, when it's preached, it always elicits a response to us. And today, being Father's Day, I believe the word is especially for fathers to return to walking with God and return to walking our children towards God. And many of us fathers here are at different stages. Some of us fathers have young children. Some of us fathers have teenage children. Some of us have children that have already left. But I pray today that God has spoken to us. And my prayer for us fathers is, will you recommit to ask God to help you God, help you to build a spiritual friendship with your children. Maybe you have not been walking closely with the Lord. Maybe you have been talking with your children about God outside of church, but today God has convicted you, saying, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want want my children, I want to walk my children to you. And I confess I could do a better job, but I need you to help me. I can't do it on my own strength. If that is your prayer today, you say, Lord, help me. Help me walk with you more closely. Help me walk my children more closely to you. I'm going to ask you just to raise your right hand before the Lord. Just to raise your right hand as a sign of dependence, saying, Lord, God, help me. If that is your prayer as a dad, just raise your right hand today. That God will help you today. Either walk with the Lord more closely or walk your children towards God a little more intentionally. If that is your desire as a father today, just raise your right hand as a recommitment to him and his word today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for our fathers in Living Hope Bible Church and our visitors today. I pray, Lord, that they will take these words and put it in their hearts, Lord that they will find other fathers, Lord, that can hold them accountable for walking with you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that these fathers can personally teach and talk to their children about God. Give them wisdom to, to bring God into the conversation throughout the day, Lord, so their children can walk with God, Lord, and their children can be faithful and be disciples of you in the future, Lord. Thank you, Lord for your word today. We honor the fathers, Lord. It It is a privilege, Lord, that you've given us this task to disciple our children and to disciple our families, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen.